Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. We're in Revelation chapter 11 this morning. You know, Claude and I went to a concert last night. It was, it was really, really neat. We haven't been to a concert in, I don't know, 20 plus years. And it was so wonderful to see um, young, younger children, 8, 10, 12, teenagers, and people our age, people in their 60s and older, coming to this concert that was really, really just such a blessing. Worshipful and, and rocking and, and just what a great example to see whole families there with their kids. And so, but what I found very interesting is one of the artists that were participating made this comment that he committed to reading the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And he said, um, he's 59 years old, he said, I finally made that commitment four years ago. I'm like, wow, you waited till you're 55. I encourage you, junior hires and high schoolers, start reading your Bible from Genesis to Revelation. If you get the reading schedule from our church here, you'll read through the Old Testament once, you'll read through the New Testament twice. You need to have the Word of God in your life. And he went through something very, very traumatic, which rocked his world. And he was not happy with God, and it challenged him in his Christian faith. Even after 55 years, well, he wasn't a Christian for 55 years, but let's say, let's say for 35-plus years he was a Christian. And he just realized, I've got to read the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. Amen. I've got to read the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. So please, read your Bible. Because there's, there's things happening now and are going to continue to happen in this country that is going to rock Christianity. And if you are not solid in the Word of God, you are going to live in fear, you're going to live in anxiety, you're going to live in the world of control. You are going to, it's going to be detrimental to your life, which we've seen over the last three years. Uh, the church has been decimated because people were not in the Word of God. Literally, in America, the church has been decimated. I'm not being overdramatic. If you know anything about statistics and if you know anything about the church, you are saying that, that's true. You've got to know the Word of God. One Sunday a week is not going to feed you. This is dessert. This is dessert. And my role as the pastor is to bring unity to the body of Christ and to train you up for the work of the ministry. That's in Ephesians. You'll find that. That's my main role. My main role is not to make you happy, not to please you, not to pat you on the head or not to say something that's going to offend you, which I don't try to do, but if I do, come and talk to me privately. But the things I talk about today are offending. But they're not afraid to throw it in your face. So we have to not be afraid to take them to the Word of God in love and possibly offend them. We don't want to let anybody to hell. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. Then the seventh angel sounded... These are the seven trumpet blasts, if you have not been here. Um, you can get the CDs, they're free, you can get caught up. This is the seven trumpet blast. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he, Jesus, shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying... We give thanks, we give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was and is to come, because you have taken your great power and reigned. 
The nations were angry, and your wrath has come. And the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints. And those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. Then the temple of God was opened in heaven, and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple. And there were lightnings, noises, thunderings, an earthquake, and great hail. Father, we thank you and praise you. We just continue in our worship of you. Father, that your word would stir our hearts this morning. Most of us do not need another Bible study. We need our hearts' transformation. We need to become more like Jesus each and every day. No one has outgrown Jesus. So, Father, fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. I pray for the gift of teaching and how we might learn how to apply these truths we're going to learn today into our lives, that we might minister to our neighbors, our coworkers, those who cross our path this week. They're heading to hell, most of them. So, Father, give us wisdom. We want to plant, we want to water, we want to fertilize. And, Lord, if it's your will, we would love to pray with someone. Pray with them, and if possible, pray with them to receive Jesus. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, with this blast of the seventh trumpet or the third woe, the saints get a reprieve from the devastation that has been taking place. Remember, it's been three and a half years. We're at the midpoint of the tribulation. Half the world has been annihilated. Half the world. They hear the glorious truth that the kingdom of Jesus will rule and reign over all other kingdoms. Now, as we're reading this, you want to put yourself in the shoes of a person during the tribulation. They survived the first three and a half years. Maybe they're a believer. Maybe they're an unbeliever. But specifically for the believer, they're hearing this, they're reading this, and they're getting a reprieve from what's just taking place. They can take a deep breath. Okay, there's a pause in the action. Remember when Satan offered Jesus the kingdoms of this world, if Jesus would just bow down and worship him? You will find that in the Gospels. You see, they're hearing the glorious truth that the kingdom of Jesus will rule and reign over all other kingdoms. Paul said this because Jesus didn't rebuke Satan when he said that. Jesus didn't deny the fact that he has been allowed to rule over this temporary place called earth. Jesus didn't do that. Matter of fact, in 2 Corinthians 4, we read this. But if our gospel be hid, and the gospel is the good news, that salvation is free. It's free. It is not about religion religion, and saying so many prayers, reading so many books, kneeling so many times, giving of money, this, that, and the other thing. No. It's free, the good news. It is hid to them that are lost. Who would that be? You and me. We were lost. It was hid. I went to church. My parents took me to church. And in my church at, at the Roman Catholic, they actually read the Bible three times during the Mass. We weren't discipled. We weren't taught that we were sinners in need of a Savior. If you were baptized as an infant, you're saved. And I'm not bashing, this is just reality. You've got to do something really bad to get unsaved. That's not scriptural at all. Totally unscriptural. No, we're all sinners in need of a Savior. 
We didn't have to learn how to sin. If you don't think this is true, go work with the two-year-olds. Did you just push them? No. You are such a liar. And did you take that toy? No. You're a liar and a thief. What are your parents teaching you at home? We're not teaching them that, are we? It just comes natural. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds. My mind was blind until another Christian told me, you are a sinner and you need a Savior. And unless you receive Jesus as your Savior, you're going to hell. And once the Holy Spirit comes within you, then you're going to understand this. But right now you're not, and I didn't, I didn't understand. I go, okay, you're, you're right, I am a sinner, and yes, I do need a Savior. So I accepted Jesus as my Savior, and sure enough, the Holy Spirit came within me, and all of a sudden I started seeing things totally different. I, but before then it was hid. I didn't have the Holy Spirit within me. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God. Notice, the image of God. Not the image of a great prophet. Not the image of an angel. No, he's the image of God. Should shine unto them. So important. Notice that. The God, little g, of this world. How about Ephesians 2, 1 and 2? And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. In which you once walked according to the course of this world. We were all there. You can deny it if you want, but you were there. You might not be as severe as other people, but you were there. You were a sinner. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. This doesn't let you ladies off. You're either a son and a daughter of the devil, or you are a son or a daughter of God. There is no third realm. So this is the seriousness. John 16, 11, Jesus said of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Let's go over our verses now. 15 and 16, then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshiped God. You know, we have seen these elders previously in Revelation. For in chapter 4, they praised the Father, and in chapter 5, they worshiped the Son. Here, they emphasize that Jesus is the conqueror and the King. Remember at this time in history that the church looked like a defeated system with thousands, possibly hundreds of thousands of saints by the early 90s already being martyred for the faith. But the Holy Spirit through John was pointing the eyes of the saints towards the overall facts that Jesus is God and will eventually make everything right. This is why you need to be reading your Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Is Trump going to save America? I hope you don't think so. Is Biden going to save America? Is socialism going to save America? 
Jesus is the only one who can save America. That's just the way it is. And unless we become a country, now I'm not talking about believers. I think there's many, many believers that are truly following Jesus, are truly repenting, and truly want to save this country. But that's irrelevant. We're not a country, a nation under God. We're one nation under abortion. We're not a nation under drugs, legalizing more and more drugs throughout the whole country. We're, le- we're a nation under sex trafficking. I mean, just throw something out there. It's, that's the nation we're under. Don't kid yourself. We're in desperate, desperate days. But Jesus will eventually come back and make everything right. So that's what we want to keep our eyes on. Register. Vote. Friday I signed a petition. Do those things. I'm not neglecting any of that. Not negating, I should say. I'm not negating any of that. But don't get your hope in a person. Don't do that. Let's look at Daniel chapter, oh, you don't need to turn there, sorry. Daniel chapter 7 says this. You see, there are certain prophecies that must come to pass first, even in the days we're living in. But as John is, is writing this and it's a, as it's being read to the believer, I bet their minds went back to Daniel chapter 7. I was watching in the night visions and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. Wow, where have you heard that? But this is in Daniel. That's why you want to read from Genesis Revelation. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him nearer before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, all peoples. This is speaking of the millennial reign of Christ. And I'll explain that if you're a new believer or if you're an unbeliever and don't understand what that means, you're going to find out. Nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. Let's look at Revelation chapter 19. Revelation chapter 19. I know it's become very common, unfortunately, in many churches um, where people don't carry their Bibles. Uh, We expect you to carry a Bible. Now, we're not going to check you at the door. But you need to know the Word of God. You need to know the Word of God. This is not the Word of Jim. This is the Word of God. And we're in desperate days if you haven't figured it out. Revelation 19.11 Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. And he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. Well, that tells us who it is now. We know it to be Jesus. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. This is you and me. But guys, we are not carrying AKs or ARs or swords. Read your Bible. When Jesus shows up, the word of his mouth and the brightness of his glory ends the battle. So this is not a big battle. Read your Bible. This is not a big battle. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. See right there? The word of God. That with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. 
That's what that mural is out there. That is our hope, that mural right there. My hope is not found in D.C. That hasn't been working for a long, long time. Not just recently, a long time. How about if we look at Philippians chapter 2? They would have also remembered this from Paul. The believers who are being martyred. They needed the word of God. They weren't trying to overthrow Rome. They weren't stockpiling donkeys and swords. They were trying to survive. Philippians 2.8 says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So now we know this to be Jesus. Therefore God has also, therefore God also, has highly exalted Jesus and given Jesus the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, not at the name of Trump or whatever Biden or whatever name you want to put out, Muhammad, Joseph Smith. No, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and on those on earth and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Do you think this would help a first century believer go through martyrdom? Knowing that, okay, hey, go ahead, whatever name you think you got. I'm going to stand before Jesus and you're going to stand before him one day too. So what these elders are proclaiming is not new information, but confirmation confirmation about what will take place one day in the future. And that would have been a great encouragement to the church then, and it should be a great encouragement to you and I as well. We shouldn't be walking around depressed and discouraged about what's taking place. This is reality. Jesus said, it will be, right before his return, it will be, as it was in the days of Noah, it will be, as it was in the days of Lot. What a great promise, isn't that? You got that plaque in your house? There was violence upon the face of the whole earth in the days of Noah. Homosexuality was rampant in the days of Lot. Wow, that's a plaque I want. No, it's just reality. What are we going to do about it? Well, we're just going to keep turning to Jesus. Because Jesus has a plan. He has a purpose. You see, the current administration doesn't want to admit it. But if you've been watching some news, and I hope you watch a little bit of news, be careful. But America is at war right now in the Middle East. We haven't declared it, but just so you know, Islam has declared it on America. We are the great Satan. America is the great Satan. Israel is the little Satan. You might not like that, but just do a little bit of reading. You're going to find out. They want to destroy America. They want to destroy Israel. This is not political. This is biblical. It's biblical. We'll talk more about it next week. Verse 17, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was and, is to, and who is to come, because you have taken your power and reigned. This verse shows us who's ultimately going to reign. The Antichrist, he has seven years to reign. Don't be looking for the Antichrist. Keep your eyes on the Christ. He's ruling and reigning, even in the midst of this chaos. He's got a plan for America. We might not like it, but there is a plan. Verse 18. 
The nations were angry and your wrath has come in the time of the dead that they should be judged and that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints and those who fear. This is a health, healthy reverence or a healthy fear. We should have a healthy reverence or a healthy fear of God. And those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth. You see, this verse shows us that judgment belongs to Jesus, and who will reward the believer and remove the unbeliever from his presence forevermore. Remember, Jesus said, my father has given all judgment to me. We've covered these verses many times over the years, but I'd like to remind you of one of the promises of rewards because even last night at the concert, this was brought up by the headliner, encouraging every Christian there to store up treasure in heaven. And this was already in my study. I didn't throw it in this morning or last night. But Philippians 4.17, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Now, you might not be familiar with this, but Paul was a missionary. There were some times, because he was a tent maker, that he actually worked as well as ministered. There was other times where people gave money to the ministry so that Paul didn't have to work. And so this is what is taking place. It's not that ministers should be seeking after money. That's Christian fiction. And it's done tremendous damage to the church. We're to be seeking after souls, The poorest people in India, the poorest believers, would not buy into anything that's happening here in America because they understand they're rich, but they have nothing because they have Jesus and they're going to heaven. Unfortunately, American Christians have been taught, oh, you've got one car? Well, God wants you to have a brand new car. And not just one brand new car. You should have two. You're a child of the king. And you should have a brand new house. And you should have a great 401k. And you should never have any health issues. Because if you have health issues, then you're in sin. But you know, I got a cold this week and I'm not in sin, so get off it. It's Christian fiction. But that's crept into the church, and now you see the state of the church. We're one of the largest supposable Christian denominations and the Pope has backed it up many times since he announced this like a month ago, it's okay to bless certain individuals that are in sin. It's okay. Now, if you're not reading your Bible, you might think, well, that's very loving, and that's very acceptable, and that's very inclusive, and that's what we should be as Christians. (laughs) So if I'm in sin, is God going to bless my sin? Uh, That wasn't too strong. I guess you guys don't read your Bibles. If I'm in sin, is God going to bless my sin? If you're in sin, is God going to bless your sin? Then why should any Christian bless anybody's sin? We don't. We speak the truth in love with the gospel. There's a man who died for you and wants a personal relationship with you. Come to know Jesus as your Savior. You don't want to go to hell. Well, that might offend them. Do you want to love them to hell? Is that the gospel, loving them to hell? That's what a lot of churches are doing now. Don't mention repentance. Don't mention sin. Don't talk about those things. You know, oh, don't mention same-sex marriage. That's too divisive. No, we don't want to love them to hell. 
Be very, very careful. So each one of us have an account. What are you putting into that account? It's not about money. Matthew 6, the words of Jesus, not the words of Jim, the words of Jesus. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. And now that's called, just so you know, the modern term for stealing is material liberation. So, you know, (laughs) if you get something stolen, it needed to be liberated, you know. (laughs) I'm like, okay. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. This is Jesus speaking, guys. Now, again, he's not saying there's anything wrong with having nice things. He's not saying that. Read all the scriptures. Hey, we are so blessed. So, so blessed. But let me ask you a question that I ask a lot of people on a regular basis. Do your possessions possess you? Or do you possess your possessions? And you'll know the answer by if you have to give something up. Are your fingernails engraved in it? Or did you go, well, it was God's anyway, so I guess he's got something different for me now. You're going to be way better off. This is Jesus speaking. Where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. And by the way, I'm investing. I do those type of things, so I'm not negating any of that. So just, I got to say that, because I know my wife will say, you know, She helps me stay on the straight and narrow, so to speak. People will take it out of context otherwise. Verse 21, here's the key. What does Jesus say? For where your treasure is, is your treasure in the garage? Is your treasure in the safe? Is your treasure in your ammunition? The amount of guns you have? The amount of food you have? Where's your treasure? Where's your focal point? For where your treasure is, there your heart. Now again, for the young believer, or even for the unbeliever, When you see that word, most of the time when you see that phrase, your heart, that's talking about your soul, your character, your being. Your being. Well, my being's in my job. My job is everything. Oh, yeah, if you get fired tomorrow, what's going to happen to you? It could happen. If you haven't been watching the news, tens of thousands of people are being laid off in America. Tens of thousands. So none of us are exempt. So where's your treasure? That's what Jesus is saying. For where your treasure is, is your treasure in heaven or is your treasure on this earth? It's a very important point. You see, there's, not a, lot of t- there's a lot of time referenced in this verse here. As we look at verse 18, there's a lot of time referenced. You see, John is writing 1,900 years ago, roughly, the original 90s, about a tribulation period that we're very close to. And he makes reference, the Holy Spirit through John, makes reference to Psalm 2. So let's look at Psalm 2. Psalm 2. So again, I encourage you to have a Bible. Get used to your Bible. I like buying a Bible that has the tabs already in it. It makes it easier for me. Nothing wrong with cheating. When you've got a two-week memory, it's very important to have as much cheating as you can do. You'll find the team does a great job. With the slides, if you're new to your Bible, don't be afraid. Find out where your table of contents is. Refer to it often. You'll eventually get used to it. They always put two books before, two books after. Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. 
when was this written? They believe it was written by David. When did David live? 1,000 B.C. This was written 3,000 years ago, roughly. 3,000 years ago. Oh, well, this doesn't apply to us. Oh, really? They took the Bible out of school in 62. and they, No, 62, they took... Now, nah, I always forget this. But in 62 and 63, they took prayer and the Bible out of school. We don't want God. That was over 60 years ago. What are we reaping? Let's see, but Bible, really bad. Thou shall not kill. Thou shall not steal. Man, that's terrible. Thou shall not commit adultery. Oh, no, we want to commit adultery, we want to kill, we want to steal. Why are kids acting like animals? Because we told them they're animals for 60 years. It's not surprising. So this is even happening today. Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. This is the world right now. We don't want God in our lives. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in great displeasure. Yet I have set my king on my holy hill in Zion. That's Jerusalem. Jesus is coming back to Jerusalem. He's going to step foot on Mount of Olives. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me. You are my son. Today I've gotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possessions. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore be wise, O kings. For you and I, I think the exhortation, and it would be totally applicable. Now you therefore... O Christian, be wise the days we are living in. Now, therefore, be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, holy reverence, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun. That imagery, a wonderful, not a bizarre, homosexual nonsense, but a holy kiss. Have a relationship with Jesus. Have that intimate relationship with Jesus. Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish in the way. That's not having a relationship with Jesus. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all those who put their trust in him. So again, John writing 1900 years ago references back a thousand years. Now John didn't know this, but he's now talking about the millennial reign of Christ which is approaching us very quickly. So now he's looking ahead 2,000 years. So let's look at Revelation chapter 20. Now right now you might be saying, wow, this guy just keeps using the Bible. I don't understand. Because it's not what I say, it's what does the Bible say. Read your Bible and start letting your Bible weave itself together. You won't get, you probably will not get off track if you do that. You won't land in the the land of Christian fiction. Revelation 20. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so they should not deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. This is what is called the thousand-year reign of Christ. Right now, we're in the church age. 
There's going to be a seven-year tribulation. Jesus is going to come back. He's going to rule and reign. He's going to have the sheep and the goats judgment. Not the great white throne judgment, but the sheep and the goats. Those humans who survived the great tribulation. The unbelievers are the goats. The sheep are representative of the believers. The believers, the humans that are still alive, they've survived the great tribulation. Jew and Gentile, believers, they're going to enter the millennial reign of Christ and repopulate the earth. As they're repopulating the earth, you and I are coming back with Jesus to rule and reign. We're going to be dispersed. Every Bible-believing Christian is going to be dispersed over the whole world. And if anyone tries to sin, we're going to be, what are you doing trying to steal that kid? We don't do that. We don't do that here. Leave them alone. Oh, okay. It's, it's not going to happen. But they still have free will. They're living with free will, but yet we're kind of squelching, stopping. We're helping the Holy Spirit keep them in check. Very, very important. Oh, where was I at? And I saw thrones, verse 4. Was that where I was at? Okay. And they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and, the, and for the word of God. This again, during the Great Tribulation. Who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead, now this is spiritual dead. What this means, Jesus said in John chapter 3, you must be born again. You see, as humans, we're born once and we're going to die once. That's called a physical death. Now, in the spiritual world, if you do not receive Jesus as your Savior, you're going to die once physically. Then you're going to stand before the great white scene judgment throne and you're going to be judged, and you're going to die a second time spiritually. You're going to be cast away from God forevermore. That's the second death. If you receive Jesus as your Savior, you become born again. Now you're born twice, and you're only going to die once, the physical death. Again, chapter 20, verse 5. But the rest of the dead, spiritual dead now, did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he who has a part in the first resurrection. Over such a second death has no power. If you're a Bible-believing Christian today, you don't have to worry about spiritual death. That doesn't apply to you. You'd be with God forevermore. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now skip ahead to verse 11. Because John references what is going to take place immediately after the thousand-year reign of Christ. So now... Revelation 20, John is going to be looking, when we get to this, going to be looking at another thousand years ahead. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, whose, whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, this earth, this, these, this heaven here, and there, was no, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, now these are the ones, small and great, standing before God, and books were open to another, books were open. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. I personally believe this is the Lamb's book of life. Every human that's ever lived is written in the Lamb's book of life. I believe when you receive Jesus as your Savior, it's cut and paste. Your name is taken out of the book of life, and you're now transported into the Lamb's book of life. And I'll show you why. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. Very important. So say, I'm an unbeliever, and I die. And here at the great white throne judgment seat, 
I'm already in hell suffering, but I want to know why. Why am I in hell? And so I go, and I'm going to stand before the great white throne. And as I go, name for our conversation. Oh, Jim Remington. You'll find it under James. That's my legal name. And so he, James, James Remington, James. Oh, yeah, here it is. Here it is. And every sin that I've ever committed is written down in heaven. Every sin as an unbeliever. No unbeliever will ever be able to say, well, I, I, didn't, I didn't murder anybody. Yes, you did. Remember on this day when you wanted to, in your mind, kill your brother because you rubbed your face in the dirt? Well, that was just one time. No, it wasn't. It's all there. Very important that you realize this, that we realize this. No one will have an excuse. But once you receive Jesus as your Savior, and I encourage you to find pages in your Bible, and if you don't have pages like this, get a piece of white paper or tape it and paste it in your Bible. Because once you receive Jesus as your Savior, the precious blood of Jesus Christ now makes you what? Holy and unblameable in His sight. You are never going back to this. Ever. On your worst day, you are never going back to this. This is not on record in heaven. This is what is on record in heaven as far as your sins. Now, does that mean we should go out and sin? What, what two words? God forbid. Because, right, we're not going to mock God. Galatians tells us, don't mock God. You're going to reap what you sow. So, young people, be careful. But don't beat yourself up either thinking this is what's happening because you just sinned this past week. Because it's not. It's not. Just repent. Just repent. And let God seek you and serve you the way he wants to. All right. Sorry. What verse was that now? Because we're in 20, right? Uh, okay, verse 13. So we just read verse 12. Verse 13. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. These are now the spiritually dead. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life, the Lamb's book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. I mean, there's a lot of things going on here in this one verse, verse 18. Hopefully that helps a little bit, probably confused you more, but keep studying. You'll figure it out. Let's look at back at eleven nineteen as we wrap it up. Then the temple of God was opened in heaven and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple. Again, remember, this is a reprieve. There's a reprieve going on. There's praise going on. There's like God's got this under control. Jesus is going to rule and reign. You're going through the tribulation period. Hang in there. Don't receive the mark. Get your head lopped off. It's way better to get your head lopped off than to receive the mark. And there were lightnings, noises, and thunderings, and earthquake, and great hail. So it goes from heaven, now back to earth. You see, the chapter started with John measuring the earthly tabernacle, and then the chapter wraps up referencing the heavenly tabernacle. The earthly tabernacle contained the Ark of the Covenant, which was symbolic of God's presence among his people Israel. Remember, though, the temple in John's days was destroyed in 70 AD. He's writing this in the early 90s. The Ark of the Covenant was removed and hidden hundreds of years prior to that. We have no idea where that Ark is. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. It could be in Ethiopia, they think, but it does not matter. We serve Jesus. As a religious Jew, though, that would have been devastating. 
But on the night of the resurrection, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, came within the believer. Do you know that? It's in John chapter 20. If you read your Bible, on the night of the resurrection, Jesus came through the door. He didn't open it. He came through it. He appeared in the upper room. All those who were gathered, he breathed on them and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And they became born again. They became holy, unblameable, unreprovable in his sight. And then we look at this chapter that it wraps up with the earth again. And there are lightnings. This is not taking place in heaven. Noises, thunderings, and an earthquake. An earthquake in heaven? No. No. So now it's going back to earth. You had a reprieve. Now get ready for the second half of the tribulation. First half was bad. You better be ready for the second. And that's where we're going to get additional information that's going to be very, very important for those who are left behind. Stay focused on the whole word of God, guys. The next... What are we in now? January's gone, February. The next 10 months is going to be horrendous. Billions of dollars spent in ads to tell you and convince you who you should vote for. Vote. But read your Bible from Genesis to Revelation and remember, God's got it all under control. I don't like what has happened the last three years. But I haven't been nervous. I haven't been anxious. I haven't been worried. I haven't been frustrated. What's the point? God's got it under control. We're going down. Praise God. But we're going up if you're a believer. You want to stay here? Have fun. I'm out of here. That's fine with me. Cut my head off. Big deal. It's not going to hurt. Be done. Take a stand for Christ. We're in desperate days. Father, we thank you and praise you for giving us the word. The whole word. And you told us, you give us the story. Why should we be all frustrated and worried and anxious and fearful? You've got a plan and your timing is perfect. So Lord, help us to read your Bible. Help us to ask for more of the Holy Spirit that will have the peace that surpasses understanding in a world that is having more chaos every single day. Somebody's got to be calm in the midst of the storm. And we want to be that calm person to our neighbor, to our coworker, to a family member, to a friend, to someone we might cross paths with for only five minutes. Father, we want to be Bible-believing Christians that love everyone, but we do not condone sin in our own lives or sin in anybody else's life. Help us, Father, to be that loving example even as Jesus said, first take the speck out of your own eye and then you'll be able to take the plank out of your brother's eye. Thank you, Father. We cannot do this in and of ourselves ever. We need more of your Holy Spirit. So fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit that we'll be found diligent. We'll be found working for you this week in some way, somehow, somewhere. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.